0: talked about how love isn't love until you give it away and love sacrifices itself for the betterment of others Um, and that's opposite that's contrary to how we normally think of love that love is usually about me and and getting my thing but that's not how God describes love and the second week we talked about peace and and how peace is wholeness and what what God did by sending his son Jesus into the world was was restore us to wholeness with God. We were broken. We were at war. We were at odds with God. But in sending his son to be the sacrifice for us, now we can be at peace with God. And so God's love was what, what caused him to send his son, and then his son offers us peace. And then last week we talked about joy and how How joy is being settled on the inside. It's not circumstantial, and a lot of people think that joy is circumstantial. And if I get all the things in my life how I want them, then I'll finally have joy. But that's that's not really what joy is. Joy is being settled on the inside. And we talked about how you have joy when your hope is in your destiny, not your temporary. When your hope is in your destiny, not the temporary. And then we kind of put this little equation. Up on the screen is on the screen. I think we have it here somewhere. I hope because I don't remember the exact words. I just remember the concept about uh, peace with God. You don't see that anywhere. All right. Well, so the equation, the 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 formula for for joy is when you have peace with God and your focus is on Jesus Christ, then you have joy. If you're if you are struggling to, to find joy or to have joy, then that's the place to look. Are you at peace with God, and is your focus on Jesus? You have joy when your hope is in your destiny, not the temporary. Our circumstances will always be changing. We will always be disappointed by what's going on in our lives. Well, this week in the story, Jack... Uh, I don't know if you've been following along, but, but Jack is really, is really kind of taken a downward spiral, a downward turn in, uh, in this last week. And his plans to, to give his friends the best Christmas they ever had have, have slowly unraveled one by one. And uh, this week he found himself talking to one of his closest friends only to discover that she was somebody that he didn't really know that there was a whole side of her that she had that he had never known about his friend julianne and he decided that the best way to help her because, because what she needed was hope she didn't have any hope even though she's one of those really bubbly happily happy friendly you know people that that has a thousand friends she was without hope on the inside and so so he decided that the best way to help her find hope was to deal with some of the issues of her past so he went over to her coffee shop and sat down and had a conversation with her and tried to draw out maybe there's just some good parts of her story in the in her past that outweigh the bad and if if he can help her see the good parts of her past then then maybe she will have hope. But what he ended up doing was dredging up all of the pain and all of the problems and all of the frustration, and he left her sitting on the stool crying. And this became a moment of change for Julianne. She changed at that moment um, after Jack tried to help her. And so that's kind of where we are in the story, and uh, everyone essentially is mad at Jack at this point, and uh, we'll have to see if that gets resolved or not by the time we get to the end of the story. Tomorrow, the last chapter will be posted on Christmas Eve in the morning, so sometime during the day, would love for you to just go to our Facebook page and uh, listen to the audio for the last chapter. So that's where we are in the story. That's where we are in our series. That kind of gets us caught up, but um, I don't know if you know this about my wife and I, is that we used to be photographers. We still take some pictures from time to time. And this was uh, this was my favorite lens that we had. It's our most expensive lens. It's not uh, not it's not by any means the most expensive lens you can buy, nor the biggest lens you can buy. Uh, but those lenses cost thousands and thousands of dollars, and we never had that kind of money. So uh, we had to settle for this one, but you know this was, this was my lens of choice when we were doing weddings. We did a lot of wedding photography, and um, my wife, because she's smaller and more attractive, would be the one that comes up into the front and takes the pictures of them coming down the aisles, and I got to stand in the back, and this is a 70 to 200, so I can kind of be far away and still get some pretty close, close shots, as long as the lighting is correct, right? Um, so... One of the problems with weddings is, a lot of times, the receptions are in places like this, in rooms like this. You know, and and when, you, when you set the mood for a reception and dancing and all of the fun that's going to happen, and you got all the lights and the DJ, and of course, every, you know, every person thinks they're the most important, so the DJ thinks he's more important than the photographer, and the photographer thinks they're more important than the videographer, and so on and so forth, but we all really know the most important person of the day, and that's the photographer. Because how many of you have videos of your wedding hanging on the wall right uh-huh yeah, and how many of you how many of you are friends with your d j but you've got a picture of your wedding if you're married? you probably have a picture hanging up somewhere in your house so so we know what one is the most important but um so we'd be trying to take pictures there'd be all this the problem was there's no light, and so um you quickly have to learn how to adapt in in those kinds of environments and um, well, let me let me show you some examples. I got some pictures here. This is uh, some pictures I took last night. Um, let's go back to the the first ones. I think are there. Yeah, there we go. So this is kind of a, a decent amount of light. And I took this this picture. This is our nativity. This is was a gift to us at another church. A, a, a couple in our church gave us all the pieces for this nativity, and we set it up every Christmas. It's a great a great part of our our Christmas decorating, our Christmas tradition, and see, there you see Mary and Joseph, and Mary's holding the baby, and you got the sheep, and the donkey, and the shepherds, and you know, all the important parts of the story. The wise men are up on a different shelf because that's not technically accurate to have the wise men there at the same time because they came later, and so um, and that's important to my wife. You can talk to her about that after the service. But uh, So this was a picture, and so then uh, I took a picture out of focus, you'll see here. Okay, so, uh, and then let's go scroll through the next one. Yeah, it's kind of coming back into focus. There we go, coming back into focus, and there we are, we're, we're back into focus. So, so when you have light, it's fairly easy with a camera to take a picture that's in focus. But when you don't have light, things change. So here's the next one, here's the dark one. Same thing, same scene. Um, but you don't have any light, and so you know I could take that picture based on the focus of what I had from the previous picture. But then, if I try to focus without light, this is what happens. You see let's go on to the next one. yeah, you can kind of make out that there's there's a stable there, there's parts of it, but then because i can I can kind of remember where where the focus was. I can work my way back there. And um, if you, what you don't know, and you've probably all experienced this with your phones, if you're taking a picture when there's no light, your phone has a really hard time focusing in the dark, right? And, and so what most phones will do now, because they have that light on them, they'll, they'll turn on the flashlight, or the, the flash for the camera, which is what it technically is, although most of us use it more as a flashlight than the flash for the camera. But if you're taking a picture looking out, it'll turn on that light so that it can focus and then it'll you know, shut it off and flash and take the picture. And now on our phone, if you're taking a selfie, then it turns on the screen to a, a bright color to try to get some enough light to be able to focus. But, but it's really hard to focus when it's dark. It's really hard for your camera to focus It's really hard if you're in a, in a reception, a wedding reception, and the lights are down for all the dancing and all the fun to be able to focus and take pictures but if you've but if you've focused and you have you have a point of focus, then it's easier to get back to where you were Ephesians chapter two uh, verse twelve and thirteen I want to read this for us this morning to kind of set us. On our trajectory to talk about hope remember that at that time now Paul is talking to the Ephesians and they are what would what we would be classified in Scripture as Gentiles they, they are not Jews they're not God's chosen people they're Gentiles they're outside the faith and so so he's talking to a group of people that were technically Gentiles and he's saying remember at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world so at that time before Jesus did what he did on the cross and dying and wrote rising from the dead and ascending and sending the Holy Spirit before all of that took place we were without hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So when we were without God, when we were when we were on our own, we were without hope. When we were on our own, when we had not received the peace of Jesus Christ and the joy of Jesus Christ and the journey that we're walking on with Jesus Christ, well we were without hope. And and that's the reason I, I put this at the end of the series. Because love is the motivation that God God had the motivation to send his son into the world. And then peace is what starts us on the journey. And then we have joy in the journey if our focus is on Jesus. But then right at the end of the spectrum is hope. Hope looking forward to something. But before all of that, we were without hope. So when when we weren't at peace with God, we didn't have hope. But Jesus being our peace, we now have peace with God because of Jesus. We have peace with others also, especially in the kingdom of God because of Jesus. So there is no dividing wall, he says in in this chapter. There's no dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile because Jesus tore that down with his death on the cross. So we have peace with God, with one another. We have love, we we have peace, and we have joy, but do we have hope? Do we have hope? Now, I I think that probably hope would be easy if the world was always light. If the world around us was always just light and, and happiness and joy and the good parts, well, then it'd probably be easy to have hope. But what about when it's dark? as we saw in that video at the beginning of the service, that that hope is not dependent on circumstances just like joy is not dependent on circumstances and peace is not dependent on circumstances. And we can see from Paul's own life where, where he had joy in the midst of difficult circumstances that he also had hope when he was in prison. Do we have hope when it's dark? Now, I, I again, I, I think the problem for us often comes down to definitions. We we use definitions that the world uses when we talk about hope. I mean, think about the last way you used hope, the way I used the word hope when I was talking about the candle. Hopefully, it'll light. It's kind of an optimistic view of circumstances based around the future, right? It's like, I hope this is going to work out. I, I hope the candle will light. I I hope you will know, get that promotion at work. I, I hope we have a good experience on Christmas. I hope my kids don't take the presents and throw them over their heads because they're dissatisfied with them. I hope. But is that really what hope is? That definition of hope is just optimism. It's just hoping that things will work out in our favor, and our benefit, the way we hope they will. But that's not really hope. That's not really hope at all. This is the definition I would like us to use for hope. And we've got it for you on the screen. If you have something to write with, it might be a good chance to write this one phrase down. Hope is focusing the present and the future through the lens of God's faithfulness in the past. Hope is focusing the present and the future through the lens of God's faithfulness in the past. when I was coming up with that for our illustration, I, I specifically thought of a camera and this illustration I shared with you. So, so think of the lens as as God's faithfulness, and, and then we look through the lens at our present and our and our future circumstances. And and instead of what we're going to talk about in a minute, letting our past and the way things have worked out previously to define how we see the present and the future instead what we do is we use the lens of God's faithfulness in the past to determine how we see the present and the future so hope is hope is focusing the present and the future through God's the lens of God's faithfulness in the past God is faithful he cannot go against any of his promises to us. God God makes many promises to us. We're going to cover some of those in just a minute. And of all of these promises that he has made to us, God cannot not keep those promises to us. There is not a promise that he has made in all of Scripture that he can break because he cannot break his promises. And so when we talk about holding to the hope, That we have, like in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And that's the best definition I think we can come to for hope, the best verse for hope. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Not because, because I think if I, if I just work things out in my life in, in a specific way, in a specific setting, then, then my, my future circumstances might end up how I want them to be. That's not hope at all. Hope is based on he who promised. And he who promised is faithful. He who promised cannot break his promises because he is God. So God is faithful and he cannot go against any of his promises to us. So, when you're reading through the Bible, as you should do, and we're going to talk about a little bit more next week, as you read through the Bible and you come across one of these promise statements, these promise phrases, what you should see in that moment is, is an, an, an enduring and never ending moment of hope of what God has done and promised He said He will do. It's the now and not yet. we have full assurance that God will be faithful. What we learn through God's word is that we have the full assurance that God will always be faithful. So, obviously then, as Christians, we live lives full of hope at all times, right? Is anyone, anyone willing to say, no, I, I, I had some moments where I wasn't hopeful this last week. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Why don't we have hope? We desire that each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. To me, what, when I when I read there, it looks like our focus kind of gets out of whack. And when our focus gets out of whack, and we and we start to focus on the wrong things, or we start to look at things in the wrong way with the wrong lens then we start to lose hope. And when we start to lose hope, then we start to be sluggish, right? We start to run the race a little less feverishly. We kind of just fall back a little bit, and and like we've talked about, before we get distracted by what's happening over at the concession stand and, and, and what's going on over here in the crowd, and we slow down. Part of the problem, I think, we struggle with hope is that too many of us are using the lens of mistakes and disappointments of the past to see our present. Too many of us in the faith are using the lens of mistakes and disappointments of the past to see our present. And when we do this, when, when we look at, at all the disappointments, and, and I've shared many of my disappointments and how things have not always worked out, how I hope they would work out in my life and what has led us in our journey to this place here at this church. If I allow myself to, to drift back into those moments and those thoughts, it's easy to, to project those same ways of thinking onto our present and even our future. And when we use all of the mistakes, all of the disappointments of the past to see our present, well, no wonder we don't have any hope, right? How could we possibly have hope if we're using that lens to see the future and the present? And then when things get really difficult, when things get really challenging, when we find ourselves in the dark, instead of focusing on God's faithfulness of the past, we focus on how people have faithfully let us down in the past. And we use that that faithful disappointment of broken, fallen people to define how we see this present moment. So we have no hope. And what may be worse than this is that, that we let fear, we let fear based on what happened to us in the past not only affect our present, but determine our future. We let we let fear based on well this person treated me in this way and so they my, well they'll always treat me in this way or or this relationship always ends in this fashion so I can never have a relationship that goes how I want it to go or or this this employer always treats me this way and so I can expect to always be treated in this way or every time I feel like I'm getting ahead in my job well then things come crashing down and so I can expect that well things are never going to go how I hope they will we let fear based on what's happened to us in the past not only affect our present but determine our future now this is one, I'm gonna get pretty specific here, but I think it's very pertinent for us today. I think we also let the doom and gloom negativity of the media determine our level of hope for the future. I think we let the, the barrage of negativity that, that is swirling in the media to affect our level of hope for the future. And we've talked about this before, but we need to be constantly reminded of it, that all news organizations peddle fear and negativity. That's what they sell. That's that's their language. That is their native tongue. And there is no such thing as unbiased news. Every story is written by someone with a bias from one side or the other. I'm not talking about any side in particular. I'm just saying every story is written with a bias from one side or the other. I think a reason that that we have such a problem with hope in our country, the reason hope is so low is because we allow ourselves to be so influenced by corporations who depend on fear and negativity for their profit margin. And so we've allowed ourselves to kind of be sucked into the stories that are being told when the real point of it all is so a big corporation can make some more money. See, they, they they thrive when we don't have hope. The the less hope we have, the more business they do. So I think for some, if not many of us, we would have a lot more hope if we just stopped taking in so much of the media. We need to check our input sources. So if we're going to have hope, we have to let go of the hurt and disappointments of the past. We have to check our input sources. But a question that came to me while while I was preparing for this is, are you running from something or are you running towards something? And I think a lot of us in, in our lives, we end up running from things in our past, that we're just trying to escape some of the things that, that are behind us and we hope to, to run from them, but, but we don't really stop and think, what are we running towards? And, and so, so maybe our life is scattered and our path is just weaves and, and crosses back and forth, all haphazard-like, because we're really just running from something. We're not running towards something. So we have to ask ourselves this question, who is our hope in? Who is your hope in? Who is my hope in? Who am I hoping in the most right now? And I, you know, some questions. I'm going to be fair with all of these so nobody get offended. But if you lost hope when Donald Trump was elected president, your hope was in the wrong place. Similarly, if you lost hope when Barack Obama was elected president, your hope was in the wrong place. If you lose hope every time you hear about how Congress and the president can't get along and they can't reach a budget agreement and you're, you're without hope at this moment because the government is shut down and, and there's just no way they're going to work together, which is how it seems, then, well, if you're without hope, then your hope is probably in the wrong thing. Maybe that's, a little, maybe that's a little too politically incorrect. I shouldn't be saying those things. But So how about back in 2008 when the market collapsed and, 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 and a lot of us lost money or you know, myself, I lost employment. I was cut to part-time as a result of the collapse in 2008. And I confess to you, I lost hope. I lost a lot of hope. For a long time, I was without hope. And if you are like me, that, that when, you, when you lose your job or when you're, when you're cut to part-time in your job or you know, your income changes and decreases or something happens to your income, your finances, your money, when somebody starts messing with your money, well, then your hope changes, right? That was how I lived my life during that time set a bad example for my kids and my family during that season that the world is falling apart and I have every reason to be depressed because my hope was not in God, my hope was in my ability to earn an income. Who or what is your hope in? Is your hope in your family and, and as long as, and I know many like this, as long as your family is kind of working together and, and things are good and relationships are good in your family, well, then everything is good. But what happens when, when those relationships go wrong? What happens when those relationships are strained and stressed and tested and tried and, and, and people start to walk away from one another in the family? Do we lose hope? Who or what is our hope in? So like he said in the video, it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. It's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. And when we find ourselves without hope, we just need to quickly look and see, oh, our focus is wrong. We're looking at the wrong, we're using the wrong thing to focus. Focus. Because in the kingdom of God, you look forward by looking backward. And, and there's this moment in the story this last week, and I didn't make a lot about, a lot about it, but it kind of stood out to me. One of my, one of my uh, moments that, that happened in the story that I really enjoyed is that after, after Jack was out talking to Wyatt about hope and trying to figure out what hope meant and, and how to give Julianne hope, he, he gets in his scout, the scout that he has to pump the gas seven times to start every time. And he gets in his scout, and he looks in the rearview mirror, and he backs out. And then, looking through the windshield, he drives forward. Hope is focusing the present and the future through the lens of God's faithfulness in the past. It's not that we spend our whole lives looking in the rearview mirror and live only in what God has done in the past, but but we look in the rearview mirror and see what God has done in the past so that we can drive forward, especially when it's dark especially when it's dark, and the darker and darker that it gets, the the darker and harder that it is to see. Well, the more we have to rely on God's faithfulness of the past, the the harder it is to focus in the dark, and we just can't quite see what it is we're trying to focus on, and things just seem like they're never going to go right. Well, then we need to rely more and more on God's faithfulness in the past to set the focus for the future. Romans chapter 5 such a great, great passage. This is a chapter, if you ever want to memorize Scripture, the first half of this especially would be great to memorize. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since we have been made right through faith, you know, just justified is just as if I'd never sinned, justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's peace. We've been justified through faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom, through Jesus, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So it is through Jesus that we've gained access into this faith and the grace by which we now stand. And... We boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not in the the assurance of the moment, not not even in the faithfulness of the past, but we, we boast, we proclaim, we brag about the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings which is what we see exemplified in the New Testament. We, we glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And we know that, that perseverance produces something too. Perseverance produces character. And, and maybe the reason some of us struggle to have a strong character is because we've never really struggled through suffering we kind of keep giving up. We, we, we keep going back and having to start over, and, but we, we struggle through suffering, and suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces, produces character, and maybe, maybe could it possibly be the reason we struggle with hope is because we haven't developed the character of Christ. Because that's what character produces is hope. And this verse, I love this, this verse, is hope does not put us to shame. Hope that does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So this is a hope that does not disappoint. It's not, it's not hoping the candle will light. It's hoping on something that has already been fulfilled. It's hoping in something that God wants to do in us, how, how he wants to change us, that, that after suffering and perseverance and character comes hope, after he, he grows us up in him and makes us look more like him and transforms us more into the image and likeness of his son, the more hope we will have, just like the more joy we will have and the more peace we will have, the more we focus on God. Like we said, God is faithful and He cannot go against any one of His promises. He cannot contradict any of His promises. And because God has made these promises, because it was God who made them to begin with, we can hold on to them as though they have already happened. Because it's God who has made the promise we can cling to them, we can hold tightly to the hope of the promise as though it has already been fulfilled because God has made the promise, so he cannot not fulfill it. Do you see why we ought to have so much hope? Because God is faithful. He cannot be faithless. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And so because he is faithful and he made the promise, we can hold on, we can cling to that promise as though it has already been fulfilled. We have so much hope. And the faith see God if you read through scripture God has already proven himself hundreds and thousands of times throughout history when he makes a promise he keeps it when he makes another promise he keeps that promise when he makes a promise he keeps it promise kept promise kept promise kept always so we can cling to these promises, and we can use these promises as the lens through which we see the present and the future. We can cling to these promises of God, and we can, the more we know the promises of God, we can use what he has said he will do to focus on the present and focus on the future. It should change and shape how we do everything. Hope is focusing the present and the future through the lens of God's faithfulness in the past. So what are some of these promises? By the way, there are literally thousands of promises throughout Scripture. Literally thousands of promises that God has made. Some we see have already been fulfilled and kept. Others we are waiting for. But because we know who he is and his character, because we know that we have seen him fulfill promises in sending his son, Jesus, into the earth at Christmas, and and that he sent his son so that we could have love, joy, peace, and hope. We know that since he's already done that and he's already paid the price so that we could experience this kind of relationship with him, that now we can, through the blood of his son, come and enter into a new and living way, a new and living hope that everything in our lives in the present and the future is also already settled. How would you live if you knew it was all already settled? So what are some of these promises? Some, some Sunday, we should just take a, Sunday, a, a, a time and just read all 5,400 and whatever some promises there are of God. That sound exciting? I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and I'm, I just want to read these promises, and as I read them, I want you to read and hear yourself and the promise. That if you are in Christ, if you are a new creation, if you are being reshaped and molded into the likeness of his son, and, and every day more and more of the old image, the image of Adam is, is shaved off and, and sloughed off, and, and more and more of the image of Christ is stamped on our hearts, on our lives, we have so much reason to have hope in the promises. These are your promises. This is what God has said he will do for you. Joshua 1.9, God is with me wherever I go. Isaiah 26.3, God will keep me in perfect peace if my mind is stayed, steadfast, focused on him. Hebrews 13.5, God will never leave me or forsake me. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, God is with me always to the end of the age. There is no moment where God will not be with you. He is always with you to the very end of the age. This is a promise that will always be kept. There is no doubt about whether this is the reality. You will always have God by your side. Philippians 4, 7, God's peace, which surpasses all comprehension and all understanding, will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7, he cares for me. Did you know that? That's a promise of God, that he cares for you. God actually cares for you and for me. He, he doesn't just look on us with, with begrudging love, but with generous love. He cares for me. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, I will, we will do even greater things than Jesus did because he went to the Father. Those are Jesus' words himself to his disciples. John chapter 16 verse 3 says the holy spirit will guide me into all truth. Then now we each and every one of us have the holy spirit, the presence of the living god in us, the resurrected spirit of the eternal Christ living in us and he will guide us into all truth. And Mark 13:11 the holy spirit will guide me will give me the right words when i need them. John chapter 16 verse 33 says another promise that in this world we will have trouble. That's a promise, it's a guarantee. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's also a promise. We will have trouble, but we also have the overcomer by our side. Second Timothy verse, chapter three, verse 12. "If I seek to live Godly in Christ Jesus, I will be persecuted." There's another good promise. Romans chapter three, verse 24 says, "I am justified by Him. I am freely justified by His grace." Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation on me because I am in Christ Jesus. I no longer stand condemned. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 says, the Holy Spirit will help me pray. So even when we don't know how to pray, when we are in the dark and situations are going against us, the Holy Spirit will help me to pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, In all things God works for the good. In the suffering, in the trials, and the challenges, and the good, and the blessing and the benefits, God works things for our good. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 says, Nothing will ever separate me from the love of Christ. That means there is nothing in this world, even though we have an enemy who is fighting against us day in and day out, there is nothing he can do to separate us from the love of God. We are secure in our love of Christ. There is nothing. That can be done. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says that my labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so even though we're struggling through day in and day out, it is not in vain. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says that God has created good works for me to walk in today. This day God has created good works for you and me 2nd Corinthians 3 17 says I am being transformed into his likeness that's a promise I am being changed into his likeness 1st Corinthians ten thirteen says God won't let me be tried or tempted beyond what I can endure so if you're in the middle of a temptation if you're in the middle of a trial you will be able to endure it that is a promise because you have the spirit of help with you 2nd Corinthians chapter 7 verse 6 says God comforts the downcast and that includes me So when we are downcast, God is your comforter. That is what the Holy Spirit does. Philippians 4.19 says that God will supply all my needs, not all my wishes, but all my needs according to his glorious riches. Ephesians 1.14 says that I have an inheritance in Christ because I'm a co-heir with Christ because of what he did on the cross. I have an inheritance. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says God is faithful and will sanctify me. 2 Thessalonians 1.6, God will repay with trouble those who trouble me. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has given me a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, I have a crown of righteousness awaiting me because I long for his appearing. Titus 1.2, God won't lie to me because God cannot lie. So all of his promises are true. Hebrews 2.18 says that Jesus will help me when I'm tempted. James 1-2 says that varied trials will lead to my maturity, so the trials and the suffering will lead to me being more like Christ. James 1-5 says if I ask for wisdom from God, he will give it to me. James 4-2 says if I ask, God will provide. James 4-7 says if I resist the devil, he has to take a hike. James 4-8 says if I draw near to God, he will draw near to me. 1 Peter five ten says after I have suffered for a little while, he will strengthen, confirm, and establish me. 2 Peter three thirteen says a new heaven and a new earth await me called the home of righteousness. This is where I'm headed. This is my destination. This is my future. First John 1, 9 says, He forgives and cleanses me as I confess my sins to him. First John 3, 2 says, When Jesus reappears, I will be like him. And First John 5, 13 says, I am a present possessor of eternal life, which is mine in the present tense verb. I have it right now. Eternal life has a gift that God has given me in this moment, not some future destination, but in the here and now. These are the promises of God for our life. And if we believe and cling and hold to the one who has made the promise, we have so much reason for hope. And I pray and I I just hope at the depth of my core that we become agents of hope that go out into the world that is without hope. And we show them, no, 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 no. Your hope is not in what you can do. Your hope is not in the government. Your hope is not in corporations and organizations and anything else. Your hope is not in your own power and your own ability. Your hope, the only real hope you'll ever have is in God. And if you will turn your focus to God, you too can be full of hope. We have hope. Let's stand together. Just ask if you will bow your head, close your eyes. Father, I know that in a room like this, there are many that are probably, even though we may intellectually know that we ought to have hope, are struggling right now to experience it. That somehow we have allowed the present circumstances to define the focus and we are focused on all the wrong things. Father, I pray that you would help all of us in this room this morning, in this moment, in this instant. To stop being distracted and and even focused on the circumstances that come to stop allowing ourselves to be sidetracked and, and, and taken bunny trails left and right away from our focus on you and, and that you would help us in this moment through the power of your spirit that lives and dwells in us, the power of the resurrected Christ, the resurrected Christ that defeated death, the living hope, the eternal living hope because he has defeated death eternally, that we have this living hope living in us. Father, help us to not only allow that spirit to empower us, but, Father, to allow that spirit to focus us on you. And when we find ourselves in the dark, when we find ourselves struggling to be able to see things how you want us to see them, Father, help us to remember, bring to mind through that same spirit all of the ways you have been faithful to us, all the ways that you Have kept your promises to us all the ways that that you have done what you said you would do and that we know with 100% confidence that you will do what you have said you will do that the future is clear that there is no cloudiness there is no lack of focus but it's very clear that that what you have said you will do you will do because you have done what you said you would do Father, help us to see this Christmas, the story of Christmas with a new perspective, that you loved us so much that you sent your son into the world for us, and that you loved us so much that you, through your son, paid the price that we owed for our sins so that we could be at peace with you, our Father. Father, help us to see that that because of that gift of peace, we can walk this journey with joy. A joy that is not affected or changed by circumstances, but a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that, Father, today as we've talked, that you will give us the greatest hope. That even when the world around us is dark, when the world around us is broken, struggling, hurting, lost... Without God and without hope in the world, Father, send us out of this place into the darkness, into the brokenness, that so we might be different, that we might see things differently, that we might see things clearly, and that people will see your Son in us as you stamp your image in place of the one that we were born with. Father, I pray, Adam's image. Now of face, stamp thine image in its place. Let the world see your light in us, in Jesus' name, amen.